This morning we've been gathering a lot of evidence from the book of Matthew, Matthew's true account of the life of Jesus, about who Jesus is and why he came. And I think it's fair to say that whether it's the first time you've heard this story or you've heard it this morning for the 1,000th time, there's lots of stuff in it that's fairly expected, but there's lots of stuff that's pretty extraordinary as well. There's quite a few twists in the tale, quite a few unexpected plot turns. We've got ordinary stuff like a couple who were engaged to be married. We've got ordinary stuff like a woman who falls pregnant and a man who doesn't quite know what to do in that situation. We've got ordinary stuff like a man who goes to sleep at night. But then things take a little bit of a twist. We've got an angel who appears in the night. We've got a message from this angel that the baby is from God and that this baby has an immense purpose. He's going to save God's people from their sins. And then before we've had time to catch our breath, Matthew shows us Joseph waking up, taking Mary to be his wife, and then off they pop to Bethlehem. And so it's quite good then that we've got our four arrows that help us to understand not just what happened in the story, but why Matthew has recorded it for us. Four arrows of evidence. We're just going to walk through them this morning. The first arrow we have, I think, is promised. Yes, it is. God in Jesus sends us his promised rescuer. The Lord, then, we see God always keeps his promises. We see in the Christmas story that God is trustworthy, he's reliable, and that in many ways God is entirely predictable. And in a world full of broken people and broken relationships and fractured promises and lots of uncertainty as guidance keeps changing, the consistency of a promise-keeping God is good, true news. That was our first piece of evidence. Number two, King we saw that this baby born in Bethlehem is God's king, the Christ. Jesus then is in charge. It means he's the top, he's the ultimate authority and that everything and everyone sits underneath him. It also means that all history, everything that happens in this world, it rests in his grasp. So where our rulers are sketchy, where time is hard, where leaders accumulate power for themselves and put themselves up and puff themselves up as the ultimate source of all power and authority, it's good to know that they will always be finite. Their power is limited. They sit under the true king whose power is infinite, God's king, Jesus. So he's promised, he's the king. Thirdly, we see that he's the saviour, they were to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. Jesus brings life to his people by conquering sin, and he would do that by growing up and dying on a cross where he would take the blame for the things that I've done and you've done and the world has done wrong, the things we call sin, on his shoulders. And then he rose again three days later, which is almost even more extraordinary than an angel appearing to Joseph in his sleep. And by doing that, Jesus showed publicly that he had defeated death. With Jesus then, there is no more fear of death because he has dealt with it, full stop, done, sorted. In fact, the Bible says that with Jesus, there is no reason to fear at all, full stop. That's it. 
We don't have to be afraid anymore because Jesus has conquered sin and defeated death. No more fear. And that's a narrative that could not fly anymore in the face of life as we have known it really since March. Fourthly and finally, this baby Jesus is God. In Jesus, the fullness of God lived and dwelt among us. I always think that's really extraordinary because it means that Jesus knew all the pleasures and pains that we did. He knew what it was like to be served a meal that he didn't really enjoy or like. He knew what it was like to feel sand between his toes as he stood on the shores of Lake Galilee. He knew what it was like to have friends who he loved and cared for. And he knew what it was like to be let down. He showed himself to be the God who serves as he walked with men and women through joy and suffering, through the ordinary things in life and through the unexpected. Because God dwells fully in his son Jesus, we can say as Christians that there is no closer friend we can have than that we find in Jesus, who is Emmanuel, or God with us. So four big truths, promised King, Saviour, God. That's quite a lot for a Sunday morning, any Sunday morning, particularly a Sunday morning, at the end of a year that has really been quite a lot. And as ever, when Matthew writes, he's not just recording his stories for our interest, but he's recording them to invite a response. Matthew's stories in the Bible are always invitational. The best picture we see of response in this morning's story, I think, is in Joseph, the ordinary tradesman who heard the call of God and then responded with single-minded obedience, even in the setting of scandal and cost, who died to himself and lived for God. He is, in Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, the first person who responds to Jesus' call to come and to follow him. And that really is the pattern of the Christian life. That is the invitation of Jesus, of Matthew, and of the whole Bible. And as we draw things to a close this morning, I guess that's our invitation to you as well, to come and to follow him with single-minded obedience, to come and to follow the promised King, our Saviour Jesus, in whom the fullness of God dwells.